the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Well, hello, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Steve Teal here. Look at your screen if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. You see two of my favorite people in the world. And honestly, a lot of people's favorite people, my mom and dad, Ken and Barbara Teal, are joining me from Amarillo. How are you today? We're doing all right, honey. How are you? We're very well. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Well, I'm doing great because it really is a blessing to talk to you guys. But also, I just want to tell our listeners up front, we're going to be sharing a story that we've been sharing for many years uh, in different places, different ways. Mom, you've shared this. Dad, you've shared this. And I've shared this, uh, this powerful story. I am talking to a man today on the phone, my dad, who honestly, if it wasn't for God intervening and if it wasn't for the prayers of his saints and his children, very young children, if it wasn't for people answering God's call, God saying, you need to pray uh, for Ken Teal, for Kenny Teal, You need to pray for that man that you saw on TV who is in a war in Vietnam. And uh, if it wasn't for God and wasn't for those prayers, we would not be talking to my dad today. So I give thanks and praise to God, and I give thanks to the people of God who answered God's call to pray. And so for me, we're going to have kind of three different perspectives on this story. But I will tell you this, and I'm sure my dad will argue or whatever, but <laughs> my, my my dad is absolutely a Vietnam War hero, and uh, I want to read something that my mom wrote, and then my mom will have a perspective on what it was like stateside. My dad will walk us through some of his experiences that he's able to talk about um, with Vietnam, and then I want to tell you also, thanks to uh, mom and dad, uh, you're going to hear about some of the survivors, uh, the couple of survivors that were with dad at the end of this story. And we're going to talk to one of them, Bill Jankowski, on Saturday. So that'll be coming up in a podcast as well. And he'll have a perspective not only on that, but some other experiences and talk about his faith. So I'm really excited. Now, this is what I want to read just to give you a little bit of what was happening in 1972. That means I was six years old. And I just want to say this, if my dad wasn't here today, which he should not be, um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, people of God who pray and who obey, who listen to God. Thank you. My only two memories that I can remember of my dad from that age, uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else, is one during this time, and you'll hear more about it, there was a Vietnam War correspondent that did a couple of stories with dad, uh, with dad right there. And mom can talk about watching that. But what I do remember is 
I remember going, of course, this is long before DVRs and VCRs and all that stuff. So we watched it together and I remember watching it. At least I, I believe that's an, a real memory. I can't tell for sure if that one is one that I've created because what I remember is in, uh, is at 2806 East 27th street. Maybe we're somewhere, somewhere else. Maybe I just remember that old TV but what I remember for sure is what we did after is we went down to the Tulsa TV station and never been in a TV station, and we were able to watch it again. Um, and I just have a, a vague memory of that, but that is a memory that has uh, never changed. And what I can tell you is, I mean, that would be it for what I would know other than hearing stories about my dad and, and all those things. And we will, of course, touch on later. Um, please understand you know, God did intervene, but I know for a lot of people's lives, God did not intervene in a miraculous way to save them. And you're going to hear some of that. And what we want to see in those situations is that God is so big, and we understand that's devastating for, it would have been devastating for me, just as you're going to hear about someone named Lauren who did lose her dad. But what we want to see is God at work, the God of glory who's bigger when he does intervene with these powerful yeses that we're excited about and we give testimonies like I do. But we also want to see him at work in those times when he doesn't say yes. It's not our yes anyway. And God is still at work and he's in for the long haul and he's in for the long game. And so we're still looking for God to bring glory out of those situations. So I, I recognize that there are people listening that might say, well, that's great, you know, that God answered your prayer. But a lot of people were praying for my dad, uh, and God didn't say yes to them. So I want you to know you're in our prayers today, and I know that God is with you, and I know that God takes the deepest hurt and the biggest pain, the things that we don't understand. And he walks right up to us and he puts his arm around us and he says, I know, and I love you. And I just think about in John chapter 11, I just think about Jesus weeping. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept, even though he knew he was going to call Lazarus back to life. So he's the God who cares. And even if you're still angry at God today, he just comes up. And if you're so angry that you can't let Jesus put his arm around your shoulder, he'll just sit there and give you a little bit of space. But he's with you. He can weep with you. He does weep with you. And he will bring glory to his name. So I pray that that's what you see because that's what Jesus wants to reveal. So I, I want to read... Um, my mom's words, actually, this is from the story that you put together many years ago, and I found it again and updated it or in 2018, but I believe you put this together, Mom, when we first did the Pray Before You Play rally in San Antonio and for the website Pray Before You Play at the time, I wanted something that said prayer works, and this, for me, has always been one of the strongest testimonies of how God will sometimes answer with an amazing, resounding yes. And so I just want to read these words before we get into it that my mom wrote. She said this, <clears throat> just so you get a little picture of what my dad was facing and what my mom was facing um, here stateside and what at six years old, I don't know what I was comprehending or feeling, but certainly a lot of people were praying and um, a lot of people praying. So my mom wrote this on April 20th, 1972, Walter Cronkite informed the nation of the latest development in North Vietnam's Easter offensive in the exact area where my dad was, which do you say Dong Ha? How do you say that? That's correct. Dong Ha. Dong Ha Quang Tri 
And my mom writes, he concluded his alarming, this is Walter Cronkite still, he concluded his alarming and negative report with the news that the U.S. military was air evacuating American advisors trapped with South Vietnamese troops in Quang Tri. Then Walter Cronkite said this, but some of the Americans were refusing to desert their Vietnamese troops and would fight to the death. So that's what we're talking about um, a little bit, and we're talking about God's glory. Dad, can you please, if you're able to, just tell us what what you were thinking when you received or heard the orders that you were to evacuate? And obviously, you said you said no. I mean, what do you? How did? What were you experiencing? And tell us why you said no, as other American advisors did as well. We, uh, I was an advisor with uh, two other officers to the uh, 5th Ranger Group of the South Vietnamese Army. We had been airlifted from the 3rd Corps area down west of Saigon near the Cambodian border when the NVA Easter Offensive struck throughout the country. But we were airlifted up into the Quang Tri province, which was the northernmost part of the attack. And our unit had been... We were airlifted, oh, probably about the, I guess, the 4th of April is when we'd come up there. And we'd been, we relieved a Vietnamese Marine Brigade that had been first in contact up at Dong Ha. And then with other units, we were reinforcing a, a Vietnamese Army Infantry Division that had really been hit extremely hard. Mm. And over the course of, I suppose it was two weeks, uh, we had been taking, uh, we, we battled very hard. Uh, we took very, very severe losses, as did other units with us. Mm. And finally, toward the end of April, and, and that, that date of the 20th of April may not be exactly correct. Mom and I are still trying to <laughs> sort through that okay. because it was probably uh, when the division, the 3rd Division, really pretty much fell apart, uh, they had made an order to uh, for withdrawal of the Americans that had been associated with the division. Some, uh, probably about 120 or so, were assembled in Quang Tree City at the, the Citadel, you know, within the city, and they were going to have an air evacuation. My unit, we had already begun moving south as a part of an attack plan to break out of the enveloping encirclement that the NBA were doing on the city of Quang Tri. And when that order came over our radio that Americans were to withdraw to the city, we knew that our our presence was going to be more important uh, to try to help our unit as they were accomplishing their mission. And had already known that uh, my unit was, my commander was a reliable and a good a good soldier and that he was dedicated to the mission and he would never abandon me. Mm. And uh, I knew that we, at this time, there was no way we were going to be, we were going to be leaving him. We were basically the American units in Vietnam had all been withdrawn with the exception of a few particularly Air Force assets that were providing air support and some helicopter units that had come up into the northern uh, the northern part. And so as Americans, we were really, with our unit, we were there 
we were there only a lifeline for external support at that time, and we were not going to leave them. Right. Can you tell me? Uh, and I know this would, I know this is pretty emotional, but um, could you tell me about your counterpart? Like when you when he knew that you know your orders were to leave. I mean, what did what did you see in his uh, eyes? He he had gotten word over his okay. command radio net. He'd been informed by other commanders that the American advisors were pulling out. And so he and I just had a very short mm. face-to-face conversation, and I told him that uh, uh, we knew that order, but we were certainly not going to leave him. Yeah, wow, okay. All right, well, Mom, can you tell us, uh, and as you wrote this, it was from your side of the world, can you tell us what was going on in the initial call to prayer? <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, you can imagine (laughs) that the airwaves were full of everything that was going on in the northern part in Donga and Quantri. So we knew that your dad was in a very precarious situation. And um, not only my prayer group going to that, but several events that followed. Do you want me to go into those? Sure, yeah. Okay. okay. I think it was Friday night. Friday night. The news was particularly bad. It was very negative for us as Americans and uh, kind of put all of us on a very shaky ground. And so... Going to bed that night was difficult if we got any sleep. The next morning, my mother knew about a tea of the Christian ladies in in Tulsa that was going on. I don't think I had been invited to it, but she took me with her. Yeah. And here I was with, I don't know, over 100 ladies, Mm. most of them knowing Dad's story, just because of mom and other people wanting prayer for the whole time. And so we ran into all kinds of people that were, how's Kenny doing? And normally it was, he's okay, continue to pray for him. But that morning it was, he's in trouble, Mm. pray. Mm. And so I think between mother and me, we probably hit most of those ladies, which I would think probably went home to their families and their churches Mm. and got prayer going for your dad. Yeah. This is kind of difficult, as you can tell, for me to think about again. Yeah. Uh, A Christian friend in Biloxi called me on Saturday and told me that she had been awakened by God Friday night and was told to begin a three-day fast and prayer at um, midnight on Saturday. So that would have been Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. She was to fast and pray. A little bit later, I found out that my friend on the West Coast had been called to pray and fast for three days. Hers was to start at 10 p.m. on Saturday, which I thought it was kind of fun that God knew the time zones. Yes, yes. And later on, after Dad's rescue, a lady called from Tulsa, and said that she had been told to pray and fast for Dad Saturday midnight for three days, for not for Dad, for that good-looking man she had, young man she had seen on television. That and, was that was um, someone you didn't know at all. No, no, she was just yeah 
awakened and told to pray. Yeah, she had seen Dad on TV, and then God woke her and said to pray. I never realized, Mom, during all this time, I had it a little bit backwards. I thought that they were awakened. I knew they were awakened at the same time, and I thought that that began the three days fast. But you're saying they were awakened at the same time, and they were told to begin to fast and pray like the next yes. day? Is that is that right? You're, you're correct. Okay. The latter okay. part. And okay. Um, I think probably, Steve, I, I found um, earlier, later, after I talked to you about it on, on your recording, I found minutes of when I had taken notes. Oh. And that's when I realized that they were to- awakened but told to begin the fast on Saturday night. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and Mom, can you tell us uh, the uh, the two women that we did know? Um, is Brenda Weems one of them, or was that someone yes, else? Yes, that was Brenda from Biloxi. Oh, okay. And she, she was just desperate in her conversation. It was interesting to me because it was, where's Kenny? What's Kenny doing? And I said, he's in Vietnam. What's your husband doing in Vietnam? <laughs> she said, that doesn't matter. I need to know what Kenny's doing. Wow. <laughs> and it was just so cute of her. She was kind of a new Christian, but yeah. boy, did he use her. <laughs> yeah. So that made you a little bit more nervous for somebody to say, God awakened me and said, pray and fast. Yes. Uh, for... and, and I love our Lord because mm. it it made my mother mad. Because she knew that that would just alarm me more. But God just gave me this sweet sense of love for Brenda, that as a new Christian here, she was experiencing this for Kenny, for your dad. And the other girl was um, Ramona Lawler. Oh, okay. Who uh, lived in California at the time. And she and I, she lived in Tulsa when Dad was in Vietnam, the first tour. And we had become very much closer than we had in high school Mm. just because we were both seeking Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, and she reached out to you just the same thing, just to let you know. Actually, her mother called me. Oh, okay. Because her mother still lived in Tulsa, and she said, Barbara, I don't want to bother you, but I need to know what's going on with Kenny. And so I said, well, he's in Vietnam right now Mm. and in kind of a pretty important struggle. And she said, well, you know, Ramona was called to pray and fast. And she said, Mom, please find out what is Mm. going on. So she didn't call me directly like Brenda did, but she went through her mother and said, call Barbara and find out what's going on with Kenny. Yeah, well, it was a local call. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then she told you about the timeline and everything? Ramona's mom? I mean, Ramona's mom of saying that she was awakened and told to pray and fast, or did you find that out later? She told me that she was to pray and fast, but I didn't find out the details of God's message to Ramona until later. Okay. And this this part of the story, um, it's just interesting the way different parts of a story, you know, speak to someone's heart. For me, and there's more prayer coming, and I know from the past, it seems like, you know, the kids, the children praying is something that spoke to to mom so powerfully. Um, For me, and we'll let you talk about that after I just share, for me, 
there's something just fantastic and beautiful and amazing about God waking these three people up at different places across the country, different time zones or the two different time zones, and still, you know, it was the same exact time that just always amazed me. And sometimes I just think, I wonder if God tried to wake somebody else up too. And, and, and they just thought... You do, you do wonder. Yeah. They probably did, but they simply never... And they probably did pray and that's fast, true. but that was never communicated to your mom. Yeah, that's true. I bet there were some other people. And there might be somebody out there who just thought, oh, you know, that that can't be from God. You know, that could, yeah. that's exactly. just too crazy. Right. So, but uh, man, I and I also just think it's amazing of God the way he includes his people on his plan. Like God could have done that without anybody praying, without anybody fasting, without any of the children, you know, but he wants to include us in understanding, letting us be a part of what he does. And I just think it's beautiful. So, um, yeah. So mom, tell us about kids for Christ, because like I said, it seems to me like that really stands out to you. Oh, yes. That, that happened on Monday night that we were at a kids for Christ, um, in Tulsa, the Holy Spirit was really moving, and a lot of people wanted their children to be involved somehow in finding Jesus. And so it was a huge group of kids, elementary school age kids. And we had a lady who wrote, was writing Christian songs, and she would teach them a song, and they would all sing along and do whatever she told them to, and then we had a really short little talk that I would give, and then a longer talk that one of the men would give. And um, that particular night, uh, I was all in Vietnam, but I I had not shared with any of the other leaders Mm -hmm. what I was going through, and I gave them a little talk just fine. And when we went to prayer, This is a time you've just got to picture all these children, probably 70, 75 children, in this large Tulsa home sitting on the carpet. And um, when it came time for prayer, they would lift their little hand, Mm. and it usually was, you know, for my dog to come home. Right. Or one time, more than once, we had a couple of kids in the same family wanting their parents not to get a divorce. Yeah or things like that, Um, and all of a sudden, these little prayers were, protect Steve's daddy, protect Mrs. Teal's husband, protect Major Teal, protect Kathy's dad, and it went on, I think, as I can recall, and I hope I don't exaggerate, but I think it was 17 or 18 of these little kids from preschool through sixth grade, lifting their little hands to pray for Kenny. Well, yeah. And afterwards, it was interesting, as I was walking to the car, just absolutely amazed at what God had done. Yeah. One of my co-leaders said, what in the world was that going on about Kenny tonight? And and I said, he's really in a lot of trouble. Mm. And she, here she was, an adult who obviously knew about Vietnam, knew Kenny was in Vietnam, but it just went over her head until those little children prayed for him. Yeah, wow. And, and let me just interject simultaneously. We're, yeah. Vietnam is 12 hours ahead of in time. Yeah. And so uh, just that 
that day, yeah. the evacuation of advisors had uh, been started from Quang Tri, from the Citadel. And that day is when our, my friend Bill Jankowski, who was a forward air controller, or, yeah, forward air controller, had been flying cover for that evacuation calling in airstrikes to protect the helicopters that were lifting Americans out of Quangtri Citadel. And after that evacuation had been done, he was overflying. We were able to make radio contact with him, and he could observe the enemy forces that we would have to pass through on our way south out of Quangtri. And so he began calling in airstrikes on the tanks that were located there and the enemy soldiers. And Bill got, uh, his aircraft got hit by surface-to-air missile. And uh, it blew up, and he was able to get himself out the door and parachute and control his parachute to where he then landed where our uh, the rangers that I was with could uh, bring him into, uh, into our formation. Wow. And so that is really when... Wow. Pretty much concurrently with when, I mean, this preceded just a bit of when the the, the kids that night uh, were were doing their prayers. Okay, KSLR listeners, my podcast listeners, you don't want to miss part two for radio that's coming up next week. You'll get to hear the rest of the story. It's compelling. It's going to encourage and inspire your faith. It certainly has mine. So I want to remind you, we serve a mighty and powerful God, but he's a mighty and powerful God who loves you, who is with you, who is for you. This is where Very Bold Radio and Podcast comes from. This is where Very Bold, the name Ministries, comes from. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are Very Bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.